Good morning, church. Wonderful to be back here at the start of 2024, man. And just a big welcome as well to anyone who's along here today who hasn't been before, especially as well. Maybe you're visiting the area or, um, yeah, you're new to Thrive. It is wonderful to have you with us this morning. And I hope you can just catch the um, enthusiasm that these guys are are carrying and you know enthusiasm just means being in God and they were we just had a week where um, we were just there worshiping hearing the word fellowshipping and it's incredible what happens when you put a stake in the ground and say this is this is all I'm here for this week and then the culmination actually on that uh, yeah on the Wednesday night I think it was of uh, the Holy Spirit just manifesting and breaking out was just so incredible. It's actually interesting. The first thing that I noticed, I think that it was visually obvious to something was going on, was that a whole row just got the giggles. They just started laughing, and then they were just rolling around laughing, and then next minute someone's screaming, and it was all on. <laughs> there was no going back from that moment. But God was in the room, and uh, we have great expectations for what he's going to do in our lives uh, this year. And I love what Eli was sharing, actually, in that ministry um, wrap-up moment where he was talking about the importance of not wearing uh, someone else's armor. And I look at that in the way of uh, we're really wearing someone else's expectations or wrong expectations and just coming, being able to just be fully who you are in the skin that God put you in, and that's enough because you are hidden in Christ. And I just had a moment actually just in prayer yesterday morning where I just realized that I just had just wrong expectations. I had too, met, too many expectations, and I just, like, I just surrendered that to Jesus again and just felt an immediate freedom just to be myself. And uh, and he is good. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. So uh, I want to introduce you to someone actually I met at uh, camp. He was one of the camp parents there, and uh, he was. His name is Phil. Phil Smith. Everyone say hi, Phil. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Phil because he told me one of his stories. I was like, this is just too good not to share with the church. This is awesome. So this is Phil. And Phil has worked as a public servant in the employment of Land Information New Zealand since 1985. And this organization is responsible for maintaining, this is going to sound a little bit boring to start with, all right, so just bear with, for maintaining property rights of all New Zealanders through title and land surveying systems. So in mid-2016, uh, LINZ, or LINZ, we'll just call it LINZ, received a request from the New Zealand Transport Authority asking for assistance for digital mapping of state highways throughout the country. And they'd see the NZTA had discovered that portions of state highways were actually out of position on maps, like Google Maps, by up to 50 metres in some places. And so we've got a picture of a map here. And so one was obviously the satellite photography, and then you've got actually what Google's trying to, where, where the road was, and so everyone's driving in the paddocks, and it's just not convenient at all. And so this creates all sorts of issues, as you can imagine. And But... 
No one knew how to resolve this issue within the organization or other organizations, and this project actually sat dormant for like a number of months. And then it finally ended up on Phil's manager's desk, and he asked Phil to give some thought to whether or not um, that they could actually sort this out. Or and then so um, that night, and. In the shower of all places, he says, the Lord downloaded a process and a strategy in a vision right before Phil's eyes on the glass. And the next day, he went to work and he began working on this supernatural download with a team that came around him and bringing solutions that were very real. And so this, this has actually been actually now running for seven years years since August 2016 and so far 35% of all of the state highways have been digitally upgraded through this God vision and this has actually saved New Zealand like the taxpayer multiple millions of dollars in costs for roading development he went into all this detail with me and the, the other great thing in this story is that this vision actually refreshed and revived Phil's career. He was actually thinking of another, of leaving and going and doing something else. And this launched him into a whole new way of working and walking with God. And now they, and, and he was like, oh, NZTA, they can actually do things way quicker and more efficiently because of this. And even in regards to Cyclone Gabrielle up north as well. And then last year, the... This project was awarded the 2023 Survey and Spatial New Zealand Project Excellence Award. All from a God thought in the shower. It's just such a great testimony of a divine moment just bringing a God solution that had stumped man's thinking for months and months and months. And so Phil tapped into this kingdom reality. He tapped into an anointing, something that only the Spirit of God could reveal to him. And you're like, well, how does that help people get saved? Well, it may not, but it's a part of the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom is certainly about people coming into the salvation of Jesus Christ. But the kingdom expression is so much more than just seeing people saved. It's revealing heaven's blueprint on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And I guess, you know, we are a royal priesthood. We're a chosen people, a royal with a royal identity. And I love this proverb. In, uh, in Proverbs 25, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Or actually, I should read this translation. It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's and, and the king's privilege to discover them. What's this saying? It's saying that we are a royal priesthood. We have a kingly mandate to uncover the things that God has not hidden from us, but that God has hidden for us. So I just, as I come into this year, I just want you to just, just get curious again about what God is calling you to do this year what maybe you're going back to the same job the same environment but God has got fresh manner he's got fresh insight and fresh revelation for you this year um, so my message today is actually going to be over two two parts it's it's called uh, anointed warrior and uh, next week we're actually going to finish this with an anointing service we're just going to be praying and, and just commissioning people uh, for 2000 and 
24. So that's going to be a really powerful time. And I hope that, this, that, that you will prepare your heart for that moment next week. Now, I'm going to talk about David a little bit today as well, as uh, Eli's already started that off for me. So thank you, Eli. And, um, you know, before David made it big on the pages of the Bible through his iconic slingshot moment, defeating Goliath with a stone to the head, the, the, the story actually started a long way before that. And it actually started with David's spiritual grandmother, Hannah. And I know that Lynn brought an incredible message last week about Hannah. But did you know that, that Hannah was David's spiritual grandmother? And uh, you know the story of Hannah, and I want to recap just a little bit. Hannah was a barren woman. She carried the vision of having children and having babies, but she had none, and she wanted a baby. And, and at the same time, God wanted a leader for his people. So God pressed pause you know, on the cry of Hannah's heart until she realized this burden that she was carrying wasn't all about her. It was about God. And there was this supernatural moment where heaven and earth are aligned. And God said, hey, you're going to have a baby. And she was like, yes, I am. And I'm going to devote him to you. And I love what Lynn said, that God's, God's delays are not his denials. And Hannah dedicated her son Samuel to work in the temple. And then Samuel went on and became King David, who wasn't king then, David's spiritual father. And Samuel's life was really defined by someone who had an ear to hear the voice of God speak because your servant is listening. You know, he said as a child. And it was in hearing the voice of the Lord that Samuel was sent to David's family one day. And, and, and uh, before Samuel, though, came into uh, David's life, uh, David was a young man. He was, uh, this is, I guess they, they met when David was around 15 years old. Uh, David played the acoustic guitar or the harp, and he was so good at that craft that later on, you know, the, the anointing that released out of his worship actually uh, set King Saul or, or just at least um, ministered to him so that he wouldn't be tormented by a demonic spirit. So David was obviously keen at practicing his, his guitar in the spare time. And then the other thing that the other craft that David had pers to perfected before Samuel turned up was the skill of shooting stones with the slingshot. And maybe, I don't know if you've thought about this, I know that they use slingshots as a weapon, but maybe this was just a hobby for, for David. Maybe he uh, just was, you know, looking after sheep and he just practiced, you know, hitting them just for fun. Uh, I don't know, he was a shepherd, <laughs> but they might have been really woolly. Um, Whatever he was doing, David had definitely mastered the art of flinging stones in secret. And because of David's skill, because of his character and the anointing on his life, David was able to have a divine slingshot moment and bring down Goliath. Ironically, skill has nothing to do with the, the anointing. It's our character that cradles the call 
And the anointing is actually drawn to us by our character. You don't have to be super talented in life to defeat the, defi- the, the Goliath in front of you. You just have to prepare your heart, prepare your skill, preparing and developing what you love doing or preparing and developing something that you're responsible for. You know, David was the youngest of eight brothers and he looked after sheep and while he was doing that, he killed a lion and a bear with his hands and this is what you do when you're looking after your dad's business, right? This wasn't his property, this was his father's property, but he was all about protecting his dad's property. And it was in this wilderness place that God was preparing David's heart for the call. And preparation is really where the magic happens. It's in your preparation of your heart and your call and your craft. That will be what defines you when you come into the public arena. You know, the story about my life anyway, I've shared it a number of times, but... um, I really was super fearful about standing up in front of people. Um, I loved the people, but I hated being in front of the people. It was just too embarrassing. It was too much to, to stand up and communicate in front of people when shame had to be removed off my life. But, you know, and I, and I would come up and I, you know, I've shared this many times, but I think for the first 10 years of trying to preach, it really was trying to preach. It really was just a whole lot of trying and it was hard for me. It was hard for people to listen to me, but God was preparing my slingshot moment. All right. Just because you're not good at what you want to do, it doesn't disqualify you from trying and continuing to persevere through what God is calling you. It's all about the preparation. It's all about the preparation. Don't run from the call. You might just think, I'm sick of practicing this. I'm sick of just going through the motions. I'm sick of just turning up. I want to tell you that God is preparing you. You're not just practicing. You are preparing for an encounter. You are preparing for your uh, breakthrough. And this is a day, I believe, to dedicate again afresh our skills, our character, our heart, our career again to God. You know, as I was struggling away with this flipping microphone, I, I knew that God was not, I knew it was a test of sorts, but He wasn't testing me to fail. He was testing me. He was testing me for approval. He was testing me so that I would be ready. He was just like, no, you're not ready yet. Have another go. Have another go. Have another go. And then one day, An anointing came that I'd never experienced before, and I was ready like I had never been ready before. You know, God will seldom rescue us from our challenges. For example, if you were to be, uh, you know, if you were lost in Fiordland, if you were lost in this extreme wilderness place, it's unlikely, not impossible, that, that God would come in and actually just pluck you out of that, just fly in a supernatural helicopter and just, whoo-wee, and out you go. No, God, what God does is He's like, right, I want to fly myself in, and I'm going to walk you out. I'm going to walk you up that mountain. I'm going to walk you out of your wilderness. I'm coming with you. And in that process, in that process, that's about preparation. That's about learning who you are in me. That's about listening to my voice. And I would, you know, I've even, 
felt like sometimes the enemy is like, man, why is the enemy in my life? Why is there, why is there so much sickness in my family? Why is there discouragement? Why is this around me? And the Lord will even use, not always, but He will even use Satan like a pawn on his chessboard, right? To help you, to help us become dependent on His grace. And Paul said something, you know, he said that, uh, God had sent a messenger from Satan, basically, to hold him true to the grace that he needed so bad to minister from. You know, I know that persevering through all the tests that I have faced has caused me to build the character and receive the anointing around me that fits the shape of my call. It's just like, I could just see it. I just know that that's, a, and there's more. I haven't arrived but whatever God is, has you in this year, and whatever He's preparing for you for at this moment, it is for the call and it is for the anointing that is going to come upon your life. Remember Phil? Um, we've got Phil back here again. Say hi, Phil, again. So before this divine download, in 2016, uh, Phil, along with two other Christians at uh, Christchurch City Council offices, sought permission from management to use a meeting room for prayer once a fortnight. Um, and he said that they were really surprised that the council said yes, because um, that doesn't usually happen in public service. But nearly eight years on, they still meet for prayer and for fellowship, and they've gone from six or seven people to 12 to 13 people on a regular basis. And he said that we exist to encourage Christians to stand up at work and not to hide their faith. And in this environment, they have led three people to Jesus, and they've been able to pray and minister to numerous people within the organization who just need support. I see it's amazing. You can't remove prayer from preparation. And it's likely that this vision that Phil received randomly in the shower one day was accessed because he had been faithful in the hidden place. He'd been praying in the secret place. He'd been building momentum and preparing his heart for the expression that God wanted to give him. And you know, while David was preparing for this unknown future that he, he was absolutely clueless about, God had sent Samuel the prophet to search out a new king. And you just don't know what God's doing in the background around your life, how he's moving the chess pieces on the board, how he's just about to make divine connections happen in your world. He is up to something big. And he wants us to dream beyond just our limited natural scope and go, God, let me capture the things that you're dreaming about. Let me be captivated. Let me be curious about what you're doing this year. You know, having the prophet uh, of a nation, Samuel, visit your house was like, uh, you know, it was like having a national treasure or hero drop into your home. And this is what it would have been like for Jesse, right? with his sons. It would have been like someone like Sam Cain, you know, the all-black captain, or, or Peter Jackson, or, or Sir Edmund Hillary, or the Queen, if she was still alive, you know, turn up. And, and, and so Jesse hears that someone's 
coming to his house and, 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 and everyone in the whole town actually is kind of on, on edge and, and they're like, wow, what's, what's going to happen? And, and it's because Samuel anoints kings. Samuel appoints, you know, divine matters. And as he came into the town, people in the town actually said to Samuel, do you come in peace? <laughs> you know, it's just like, flip, this guy's a big deal. And he has the power to bring something that is the opposite of peace to our town. So Jesse is a dad. He lines up all of his boys. You, many of you know the story, and, and he gathers his pride and joy to meet Samuel the prophet. And it says this in 1 Samuel 16, uh, that David's father Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel. But, Sam, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. See, from Jesse's perspective, David did not make the cut as one of his sons. Considered not worthy, considered not ready, considered not good enough. And if you look into uh, some of the Psalms, you can actually see a bit of shade being cast on David's place in the family. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Behold, this is David writing this, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. And so, you know, his origins with his own family are, are questionable. In Psalm 69, for I'm a foreigner to my own family, a stranger in my own mother's, to my own mother's children. His older brother had said this to him in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 17, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart you know, revealing this hostility towards David within his own family. You can imagine how insecure David could have felt when in his own nucleus of his own family, he's not counted worthy to be a brother. He feels isolated and rejected and even considered as an illegitimate son. But David's pain didn't isolate him from the presence of God the Father. And as you know, he went on to write, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David had found something in the Father's presence that he could not get anywhere else in life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He didn't let his heart become defined by this brokenness, not but what he didn't have, I shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. He knows everything I need. He, he, he hems me in. And David's earthly father wasn't going to have the final say because David's heavenly father had already said to Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, before David was recognized as future king and anointed, God had approved the condition of David's heart. 
That's what, that's what really, that's what really matters. Acts 13 says this, God testified concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. I'd like God to say that about our church. (laughs) Psalm 139, David wrote, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And throughout his life, David continued to understand that the condition of his heart was most important to God. And, you know, he messed up really bad later in life. There was a murder. There was adultery. And in Psalm 51, he wrote again, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, when David sinned and he had this moment, he realized that he had lost the presence of the Holy Spirit and he understood that nothing could satisfy him, no one could walk with him, no one could bring security around him like the anointing and the presence of God. And we would love to see the anointing touch our church and the presence of God to touch our church and to reveal the kingdom like never before. But that anointing and that treasure to us is of great value. And we have to prepare our hearts. We have to prepare our lives to be ready to be entrusted with the highest value of the presence of God in our lives. There is nothing more valuable. There is no greater treasure. There's no greater reward in your life than to be someone who stewards the presence of God, than to be someone who carries the anointing into your workplace for those divine moments where you've been faithful, like Phil, since 1988. (laughs) And then suddenly there's this revelation. There's suddenly, there's an anointing and a fresh wind on his life and he can bring the breath of God into his workplace. See, that's kingdom reality right there. That's, That's a spiritual appointment. That's as spiritual as holding a microphone and preaching on a Sunday morning. That's as powerful and significant, changing so many lives around this nation. And you may not be kind of the, the called to the ministry of the pulpit ministry, but you are called to the ministry of the kingdom. 
And you have been commissioned through the great commission that Jesus gave His disciples to go. (laughs) Go to the ends of the earth, teaching, proclaiming, baptizing, discipling nations, actually. Revealing the kingdom of God. But if we were to dial all that back, it starts with our heart. It starts with our heart. I wonder if you just stand in this place today. You know, in so many ways, I guess David was really accused of being an illegitimate son, not qualified to be one of the brothers. Maybe his father wasn't actually Jesse. He would have felt like an outcast in his own home. But the father, God the father, had a completely different description over his life. A completely different word of encouragement and of, and of uh, favor and of grace for him. And maybe you're here today and you just haven't had the word of a loving father over your life. You haven't known what it is to come into a family where, where, where God says, you're just welcome. Come as you are. And I want to just tell you today that because of Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father's heart. And it's not hard to come into the kingdom. It takes a little bit of working out afterwards. (laughs) This thing called discipleship and surrender. But coming into the Father's house, coming back to the Father is just simply a step of faith saying, yes, God, I want to be in your family. I receive your grace. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And maybe this is a day for you to call on the name of the Lord. Maybe it's a day for someone here to call on the name of Jesus and just say, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you as a guide. I need you as a shepherd. And I need you as a comforter. And I need you as a healer. God is so good. So just right now, with just every eye closed and every head bowed, just in this place, and as a, as a step of faith, if you're here today, and you know you've been away from the Lord, you've been away from His heart, and He is calling you home today. He wants to redefine your life. He wants to put His mark of love and His heart upon your heart today. You've not known His heart. If that's you in this place, as a step of faith, and you want to say, I will receive His grace. I receive His grace. If that's you today, just lift your hands right now, just in this place. You want to come to the Father. Awesome. I see that hand. Awesome. I see that hand. It's so good. There's just others here today. I just have a sense that you're just coming back to the Father's heart. Awesome. I see that hand. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just with your hands raised and just everyone else's eyes closed, let's just, as a church, let's just pray for those ones that have just raised their hands right now together. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. We just pray right now your Holy Ghost would touch their lives. We just pray your Spirit would touch their lives right now. We just thank you for your great grace around them today in Jesus' name. And we just thank you. We just thank you. And let's just also say this prayer together. Jesus, I receive your incredible grace for my life. I want to turn away from the dead end of just my efforts. And I welcome you as my shepherd, as my guide, my Lord and my leader. In Jesus' name, amen.